Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Welcome, everybody, to the Generous Business Owner Podcast. One of the co-hosts, Jeff Thomas, and we have a very special treat for you today. We have Gunnar Johnson, who has two titles. One is not enough for Gunnar, two titles. One is the founder and CEO of Bigfoot Drywall and Paint, and the other is the VP of Mission Investment at Youth for Christ. And I'll have Gunnar explain what that means here in a moment. But Gunnar, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, super excited to be here. Thank you. Uh, Well, this is going to be fun. Gunnar and I have known each other for uh, quite a few years, but it's fun to kind of reconnect. And he's actually in Houston today in our office recording this. And so it's uh, a lot of fun to reconnect with you, Gunnar. But As you know, we always start the podcast with kind of just setting the table on kind of where you grew up, what that was like, and that sort of thing. You share that with us? Yeah, I grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I was in a nice Christian home until my family got divorced. My parents divorced when I was in junior high, sent me into a tailspin, ran away from home, ended up uh, living with the family that my wife's family, they became home to me. And uh, yeah, it. One of those uh, situations that happens a lot in the church world where, you know, good people make some bad decisions and it hurts, hurts a lot of folks, but God's been really, really faithful to me in my life. Okay. So now that's a pretty dramatic start. How did, how, where did it go from there? How, where did you go work-wise, education-wise, all that? Got a basketball scholarship to Fort Worth Christian in the Dallas-Fort Worth area my senior year of high school. The elders at the church I was attending put that together for me. I met a beautiful young lady at, at school and it was like the Lord clearly told me that she was going to be my wife. And um, I just knew it. I just knew it. Even at 18 years old, I knew it. Her dad became my mentor and best friend, asked me one day, he said, where do you, where do you live? I said, well, I have a van. I have some friends. I have a place at my dad's. I kind of hop around. I just had some uniquenesses of my life and the also have a motorcycle. So yeah, imagine that. I've got two daughters. The kid has a, a van and a motorcycle, which I'm even send them on. <laughs> yeah. Neither. Thank you very Neither. much. So somehow your future father in law took you under his wing, even before you that you were married, right? Right. And I told him after we'd been dating for a season, I, I sat down with Steve, my father in law, and I said, I really would like to marry Missy. And he said, Yeah, we would like to see you, you know, grow up a little bit before then and mature and be ready. They moved from the Dallas-Fort Worth area back to Southwest Florida and invited me to go with them. He offered to teach me the trade of drywall. I actually turned down some basketball scholarships to play college ball to go with their family. It was a little bit like Ruth and Naomi. I'm like, wherever you go, I'm going. Wow. What's drywall? I have no idea. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> How do I know? And maybe, no, no, I, no, I would have made the same no, decision. Yeah. Nine months working in Florida, no days off, sun up, sun down. We... He packed on 30 pounds of muscle on me my first year working for him. Very tough Christian man, hard, hard-nosed guy who didn't take any BS off anyone. Strong, tough man, but loved Jesus, loves the Lord. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, that and those skills would be put to use uh, later in life. Little, little would you know how much that would have to do. But, okay, so what happens next? We moved to Florida. This also kind of reminds me of What's the biblical story where, you know, we engage for one of the daughters? Thank right? you. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, 
definitely got the right daughter after the first. <laughs> you didn't have to go no. around. I didn't get the sister and, and right. Steve. But anyways, I married Missy in 1996. We've been married for 27 years now. Three kids. Faith is 23 and married. She's a kindergarten teacher in the Colorado area with us. My middle daughter, Caitlin, will get married July 7th. She's marrying a guy in, that's in our company, our drywall company. And then uh, I have a son who's 17. So yeah, we go on to uh, get, once we got married, we went into a serial entrepreneurial stretch where I bought a Kim Dry carpet cleaning franchise when I was 23 years old. We sold that after about 18 months. And I went in and started my own drywall company in the uh, South Florida area. Did that for five years while I worked for a ministry called Crown Financial Ministry and a man named Larry Burkett and Howard Dayton. So I got involved with teaching the Bible on money, fell in love with it as a young entrepreneur who at 23 years old, I definitely knew everything and <laughs> needed no help, but you got it anyway. Yeah. Okay. I figured I could help out the Lord in some things if uh, I just had the opportunity, but my life was radically turned around as I learned biblical generosity, biblical stewardship. And my drywall company back in Florida funded me to do ministry work. I was a Southwest Florida director covering from Naples to Sarasota, helping churches and individuals with biblical financial training of all capacities through Crown. Yeah. And then you said, and then when we met, you were at a, a church, a big church in Dallas teaching this kind of thing, almost like a stewardship pastor. How did you kind of get from Crown into that? Sharon F. is a mutual friend of ours with Kingdom Advisor. She, I love Sharon. She's yeah. amazing. She's opened a lot of doors for me. She was the uh, stewardship director or minister at the Hills Church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Her and Dale Brooks called me to join that staff position as a minister, the Hills, in 2004. So I started there, and then a couple years into it, uh, a startup church called Gateway Church with Robert Morris called and they were trying to figure out how do we disciple people on biblical generosity? And I helped them design and build their stewardship generosity ministry. And that's where I went on to the executive team and watched the church grow from about 1500 people to 36,000 and wow, a budget over a hundred million dollars a year. It was really kind of fun. What do you think the, and I know you traveled, we were just talking before we started recording that you traveled like crazy. I think you said you get 50 talks a year sometimes traveling really the world talking about these stewardship principles and, and that sort of thing. But what, what are, what are maybe one or two takeaways from your time doing that, that, you know, God really seeded into you? Whether it be in Israel or Europe, I worked a lot in, in London with over 200 or England with over 200 churches. I've been all over the world teaching biblical principles of money management. What I find fascinating is God's word works in no matter the culture, no matter the generation, no matter the time, God's word is accurate. It's right. It's true. It's transcendent of time. 66 books written by 40 different authors over thousands of years, yet an integrated message system that teaches us exactly what God wanted us to see and know for our generation to reach the kingdom. Beautiful. Okay, so now the, one of the things I find so interesting, and folks, if you're on the treadmill listening to this, you're going you're gonna to see us kind of this oscillation, if you will, kind of building a company, go into full-time ministry for a church or a nonprofit. I don't like this full-time ministry 
language anyway. Yeah. I think we're all in it. But you have this very unique story about you're really a business guy who also is called the serve the kingdom sometimes in these nonprofit areas. So you're traveling, you're getting kind of burnt out uh, the way you told me the story. Uh, and you just decide, you know what, I'm going to take a break and just go back to business and hide out. You, you tell us that part of the story. Before COVID, I was a partner in a software firm. We did analytics and um, at 77 of the top 100 churches in the country on our platform, about 1,500 churches total at that time. And I was traveling a lot, teaching a lot, seeing a lot. I really got burned out. I was already a bit toasty coming out of Gateway after that season of growth. And I just wanted to escape and hide in the caves of Adulam as David did it. And I don't want to be around anybody. I don't want to talk to people. I just wanted to be left alone. I started a drywall company or I did some projects in South Florida again. Then I went up to the Yellowstone Club in Montana and did some projects. Again, isolated, working by myself in huge, gorgeous houses, mm. doing patch and repair work. And I was actually interviewing for a senior pastor position in Whitefish, Montana. And the Lord, one of my quiet times, buddy of mine from South Florida, Tony, had let me stay at his mountain house, gorgeous place up in Big Sky. And uh, so I had the whole place to myself and I'm just praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Got this little fledgling drywall endeavor again that also have the opportunity to go out as a senior pastor. And the Lord said, make your business your church. And I was like, well, that's easy. I mean, there's one of me. Attendance will be pretty consistent. And uh, <laughs> giving might be 100%. Right. But I got a call from a builder back in the Colorado Springs Monument area that wanted me to come back and start doing projects for him. We owned a house in Monument, Colorado at that time. And um, came back and began to build a business, which... I mean, it's grown exponentially over the last three years. So it's still a small business fledgling, but I see the disrespect and dishonor of the tradesmen in, in my craft in drywall paint. The Lord want, wanted me to minister to them and really bring honor to the trade group and love them. These are, these are not men who will generally go to church. They're hardened people that gone through difficulties in life and I love them. I engage with them. I hold them accountable. Sometimes I'm confronting. Sometimes I'm I'm loving. I'm one of the guys that one of the few bosses that comes on the job that gets hugged by construction workers as I walk in. I have deep respect for the men that work really, really hard with their hands to make a living. And uh, I keep asking the Lord, how do you want me to serve this trade base? Our business keeps growing. We keep finding more and more ways to to reach more people. Unapologetically evangelistic in what we do. You know, it's does what God called us to do. So, so this is so interesting. Okay, so we leave the church. We're in the software business. You, it's interesting that you know God planted this uh, seed with your father-in-law. You know, had to hang drywall. Like I've been in the back of your mind. It just I just have this picture of you. Like in the back of your mind, you're like, hey, if it all hits the fan, I can always just go hang drywall. I mean, you know what I mean? Like it's just sort of baseline skill that you've got. And you were describing to me, uh you know, kind of where drywalling fits. So for people like me that aren't really construction, people don't know much about that. Where do drywall hangers hang in the pecking order of construction workers? Right above the porta can man, generally. And I say that respectfully. In the drywall world, you have artisans who are drywall finishers. They play in the mud. That's my background. Hangers use more brute force. Texture guys are, think of the French artist guys. Mm -hmm. And 
You know, most people set out to become drywall people. They go out to the trades and they become an electrician, a plumber, an electrician or a carpenter. That's what they'll tell people at a cocktail party. But drywall people, they won't mention the fact they're in drywall. They generally tumble into the trade. Some exceptions to that, but mostly you find guys who flamed out, burned up, failed at other things. They end up in drywall. So they're not real proud of it. Oh, okay. So that paint a picture of kind of your mission field there. And I know that you and I are both in uh, uh, C12, which is like a Christian CEO peer-to-peer group. And we were talking about that. And, you know, one of the things C12 groups talk about is, you know, how do you do ministry inside your business? So you were, you were telling me some stories I'd love for you to share about just what that looks like on a day-to-day business. So at this point, you're now living in Colorado, yep. right? Uh, you've got this drywall business; it's growing. And you know, like when you show up on a job site, you know, what are the kind of interactions that you have? Yeah, I, I will frequently we we do somewhere between twenty and forty projects going all the time. We I'll show up on a job site with my own tools, and I'll I'll work with the guys occasionally, just just a little bit to let them know I understand what they're going through, and um, you know, I, I enjoy getting to know them, seeing what tool sets they have, just curiosity about the trade. I speak a little bit of Spanish so I can correspond with them, but they've never had someone in my role ever show them a lot of attention. I mean, I want to know about their families. When we have staff members that have kids or move or, you know, I'm looking for any kind of life event that we can celebrate with them and serve them. Um, you know, when, when COVID was going through, uh, we, we helped guys with food when we, when we could, when I got COVID, the guys called me and they said, Hey, Hey boss, we tell you what we do in Mexico with all, they give me all their home remedies and stuff. And I mean, these guys, a lot of them were working sick, you know, they were essential employees and, you know, we, in the white collar world, we, we wouldn't allow that, but as best we could, we didn't allow it in the blue collar world either. But, and if you're paid by what you do every day and you miss a couple of days a week, two weeks of work in their role, they don't have the money to make it. And, um, we frequently do a lot to help them, whether it be me looking at their tires and finding ways to replace them or tools that are worn out, I replace those. I'm trying to find a way to, to, to give these guys an honorable existence in, the, in this trade that the, God has put them in. And that doesn't always happen. Have a, doesn't always happen in our industry. I have a lot of guys that love working for us because of the way we treat them. Well, and then I really love that idea of you know, you're walking in to do the work with them. They don't see that very often. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you're even supplying them with tools, maybe some tools they don't have. And then you're looking at their maybe bold tires on the way out and on their truck and seeing how you can bless them. And then, but there've been some stories where you've seen them around town, maybe other people in the industry and how do they kind of react? I think you've built a little reputation there. Maybe tell a story about how people see you. I've got a King Ranch Ford truck that's wrapped with Bigfoot drywall. We got real fun marketing and stuff. And, uh, you know, it's easy to, to see, but Spot also you, yeah. I'm six, five and 225 pounds. I can lift drywall. And, uh, it's, sometimes I'm on the job and they call me the grande FA. And, uh, <laughs> I love it. What it was, I've never seen a white guy do drywall. I'm like, oh, come on. First off, I'm sorry. Second off, come on, let's give it a go. Let's try this out together. I'm, I'm interested in the eternal impact of what I can see in their life. I, I work hard to, to provide an environment where they're going to come to know Jesus. 
I had one of my crew members come to the Lord just the other day. And that's the first thing I ask is like, what, how's your relationship with God? Let's talk that through. They may only work for us for a season, but I want to have an eternal impact on that se- short season they might be with us. Or shoot, if they stay their whole career, I hope God really blesses that endeavor. Well, and I, and I like what you said when sometimes guys will come around and, and see you and say, hey, do you got any work for us? Mm-hmm. And you've asked them the question, you know, oh, what, what, what's our reputation and what, what did they say? A lot, a lot of men want to work for our company because we treat, we treat people with honor. We're trying to build a culture of honor. That's our focal point. We want to make drywall fast, fun, and easy for builders. I have fired builders for the way they've treated my trades and cost me money, but I, I won't tolerate these men being abused and women have, have women drywall. You know, I think God's called me to minister to folks who just won't darken the doors of the church. In my executive pastor role, I was surrounded by great Christian people all the time, but I really wanted to be around folks who didn't know Jesus that really, really needed him. In fact, I bought a Harley and began to attend all the Harley hog owners groups and stuff. I met a lot of great Christian folks there, but also I was gravitated towards men who would not ever show up in church. I want to know about their life, the wounds they've had, the challenges they've experienced, and um, how do I get them to walk hand in hand with a Savior who used men like that? The disciples weren't soft, fluffy men. They were hardened dudes that could pull up fishnets. Right. I don't know if you've ever tried that before, but that's heavy work. They didn't get the reputation of the sons of thunder for being sweet little choir boys. These were tough men that did tough work that were able to, to go to their death proclaiming the name of Jesus. Interesting. I just had this picture enter my brain where just as your father-in-law played that role for you, right? I think you're playing that role for a lot of these men. I'm hard to work for. A lot of them will tell me that, that I hold them to a high standard. I'm hard on that side, but I'm also ultra generous and I love them to death. So I'm, I'm holding a standard that's unique in the construction world. Most of the guys are hard on construction workers are tough. It's a tough group to manage, yeah. but they forget the loving, compassionate side. I want to know them. I want to help them. I want to see their life get better. That's different. I mean, isn't that kind of what God does? I mean, he, his standards are perfection. Uh, by, the, by his grace, we have uh, Christ who stands in the gap, but he demands perfection. But if we try, you know, that's all he wants, right? He just wants us to, because following those rules, which are often difficult to do, and of course there's grace there, but why does he have those rules? So that we have a joyous life. He's not doing it, right? To restrict us. He's doing it to actually open us up. It took me a long time to learn that. But, well, so the business is going great. You have this, I mean, I, I wrote down as you were talking, you can move in any circle. I think that's one of the gifts God has given you. So you're just as comfortable with the drywall worker as you are with, maybe other high capacity business people. And so, and then you start developing a, a passion for youth ministry. Do you mind sharing a little bit about that? Yeah. We had a season where my son was struggling with some drugs and he ended up running away for about nine months and we just continued to love him. In fact, he had wrecked his little BMW three series car and I took it and started replacing parts and rebuilding that car myself. And one day he came over, I'd hit it at a friend's house out in the black forest. And, uh, he came over to the house. Eli didn't have the car there and it was all rebuilt. He said, dad, what, what, what do you do to my car? I said, son, the story of the prodigal son, 
Prodigal means radically generous. The son was an idiot, but the father was radically generous. And out of the generosity of my heart and my love for you, I rebuilt your car so that someday when you come home, uh, you're going to have some great stuff. Uh, actually laid out a contract for him. By the way, when I showed him that, he started crying. And it rocked his world. I said, man, I've been waiting for you, praying for you. I love you, son, and I'm ready for you to come home. And yet we did it with rules, with a written contract. You do these things, we're going to supply these things. And um, we homeschool him now. He's going into, he's a junior this year. He's going into a senior year next year. He plays football, great football player. And um, I don't know what all God's going to do in his life, but it's going to be a lot of fun. He's, he's got a lot of gifts and, and his life is going really well. But I mean, this is a kid who grew up in a pastor's home. We, we've had a great house. My wife and I have a great marriage, a great kid. But as I watch the enemy ravage what I would consider our family to be a good family, I began to ask the Lord, how do I help other kids who go through tough times and parents who don't know what the heck to do with them? The blame game starts, Lord, what did yeah. we do wrong? Yeah, right. I must have screwed something up. Yeah, I must have done something wrong or yeah. whatever. I decided, I told Jake Bland, our CEO at Youth for Christ, I said, if you're asking me to pick up my sword and go to the front lines and fight with you for the culture, for our kids, I'm yours. Let's do this. But my goal is to find a way to get Christ into the culture with these young people. Let's go ahead and head this off. I have all these big life mistakes, but I'm real passionate about introducing Jesus to, to kids through Youth for Christ, 11 to 19. So that, that my role is the vice president of mission investment. So I oversee all of our marketing. I oversee all of our fundraising and the teams that do all that. And I'm trying to find a way to curb what I'm seeing in our dark and anti-Christian culture, post-Christian culture, I want to take as many kids to heaven as possible. Now, I'm looking for friends who have a passion for this, this generation. Then I'm not just wanting to build cool things for them. Let's, let's take the gospel straight into their life through this Youth for Christ uses a three-story model, which is our story, the kids' story, their story, and God's story. How do we do this? Our story, their story, and God's story, and we bring them to Christ through all kinds of unique ways, 130 chapters across the United States doing different events to, to reach kids for Christ. We are unapologetically focused on evangelism. And, um, I mean, this organization's been around for a long time, and I'm very impressed with what you were telling me about and what others are telling me about the leadership there being very entrepreneurial. Yeah, it's kind of a fit with your personality. And so, and, and then the other thing that I've, I've learned a little about, maybe you could unpack just for a minute or two about the way Youth for Christ model work. You know, I'm, I'm used to seeing a lot of, uh, you know, even our COO, uh, uh, Kale Dow, you know, will do Young Life, okay? Uh, but it's sometimes it's at wealthier places, and I know not all of them are at, are, are at wealthy schools and that kind of thing. But I think Youth for Christ really is not at that level. Where do you see... What's sort of the demographic of the average person who engages? Uh, Youth for Christ is going to go wherever there's pockets of kids. So we're divided up into chapters. There's an international Youth for Christ. The national team is one chapter of that. And in, under, in partnership, like think franchises, there's 130 local chapters doing ministry in about 1,300 ministry locations around the country. And... We're just looking for pockets of kids that we can engage 
with an evangelistic strategy to bring them to the Lord, provide a place for, for them to, to be heard. We do ministry with kids that are incarcerated. Yeah. I visited one of those juvenile justice ministry places. It was heart-wrenching. Yeah. They're telling me all these stories about the crimes these kids have committed, wanted killed people, and all these terrible crimes. And I see them in their kids. Yeah. Like, these are just young people. Yeah. What in the world went wrong in their life? You know, we have single parent ministry. We have partnership with churches and groups all around the country as well. And we're, we're going to be the tip of the spear to go find those kids and create environments to reach them for Christ. Yeah. That's what we're after. Yes. So, uh, and it's got an amazing history, right? Wasn't Billy Graham in yeah, He was the first staff member, Billy Graham. Used to do big stadium events and such, and that model's changed a little bit over the years. But um, yeah, it's seventy plus years old. It's amazing ministry that they use a phrase geared for the times, but anchored to the rock. So we're going to change our means and method, but we don't change our message. Right. But we're unapologetically bringing Christ to these kids for eternal benefit. Yeah, I mean, just I just love that, and then the refreshment of the mission and how do you reach people, you know, using the methods of today. And so, okay. So now I think we've confused everyone. Uh, <laughs> we've gone from business into working for the church, back into business. Now we're talking about this ministry work again. What has been going on with Bigfoot drywall this whole time? Well, well, you've now just taken this job with uh, youth for Christ. So maybe describe that sort of combination and what, what God's talking to you about. I have a great leadership team. We are a fast-growing company that's not set. We haven't made our money, and we're just finding ways to spend it. We are still figuring this out, fighting through cash flow challenges, building a business, doing what a lot of you have done. Yes. And yet, in the middle of that, God calls me to continue to do ministry. Seek first the kingdom. He consistently tells me over and over, seek first the kingdom, seek first the kingdom. Okay, Lord, I'm doing business as mission. Is this what you want? It's part of my bifurcated calling. I'm to do Bigfoot drywall, continue growing that. I'd love to see Bigfoot drywall someday be a national drywall company that has locations in all these regions, reaching tradesmen for Christ and doing great work for builders. I mean, ask any of your builder buddies, drywall and paint, those are not like glamorous stages of the trade. They're like, can we survive this and clean up after them? <laughs> We're trying to do it right. But in the middle of all that, I'm just a steward faithful, whatever God calls me to do. And if he says, Gunnar, I want you to go into a ministry endeavor. My only answer as a steward for Christ with the time he's given me on this earth is to say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll go. I'll do it. Isaiah in the throne room. Who can I send? Send me, Lord. I want to go. And it's not an easy way to make a living. And this isn't the, I mean, I wouldn't, if God calls you to do it, you do whatever God calls you to do, but begin to think about the time use between a CEO of a fast-growing drywall company and a vice president of a pretty large ministry. Uh, I have to be very judicious with my schedule. I'm very cautious with my schedule. I'm empowering of teens, holding them accountable, helping them to fulfill the vision that God's put on, on our hearts. I don't always get it right, but I work really hard at that. I'm looking for any leverage I can to be a 100x steward in the kingdom. And this happens to be what God's called me to do, do ministry and do business. I mean... This is so great because, you know, uh, we were talking earlier before we started recording about, you know, all these guests that we've had on this podcast and, and, you know, the principles are all the same about using your platform 
for God, but the way he calls each of us to do it is always just a little bit different. And, uh, and it's just so creative. It's mind boggling actually. And, you know, I know, you know, Bob Buford from being in the Dallas area where he was from and, and, uh, and we were talking earlier about this idea that, you know, Bob always regretted, I believe people read his story about how he sold his cable company and then kind of worked on significant things. And he always felt bad that people felt like maybe they needed to chuck their business to then do meaningful stuff. And, uh, uh, and then, you know, so we've had lots of guests where they've talked about, you know, using their business today on an ongoing basis as a ministry. But what I think is so interesting in, in this season for you, right. And we'll see where God takes you from here. But in this season, he's calling you to do work, both work for a nonprofit and lead a, a, a group there and work for a for-profit and also, uh, lead ministry there. So how, you know, how do you think about those things in, in, in terms of, I mean, I, I believe God will redeem the time for you, uh, to be efficient in both of those and he'll lead the pack forward, but it's a very unique model. And, and so how is that going so far for you? Every morning, God wakes us up and he asks us a new question. How are you going to trust me today? And mm-hmm. I think about what Jesus said, what does it tr- profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? And I, I'm secure in my salvation, but I'm also a kingdom leverage person. I want to, I want to see as much impact for Jesus in the life that God's given me. And yeah, I mean, it is terrifying to think about all the things that could be and should be and all that. My friends, you'll never have the time or be in the position to finally reach the point of engaging in ministry. You got to do it whenever God calls you. And it's probably going to be in the middle of a busy season with messiness going on in life. It's just like, you know, when you're a young married couple, you never like to the point of saying, okay, now we're ready for kids. They just show up and you're like, life is wonderful with them. You'll never have the life set up to where you think, okay, now I'm ready to go into, go into uh, ministry endeavors. And I, you know, I, I really see that God is calling kingdom entrepreneurs to be able to use their skill set to do both ministry endeavors, whatever the Lord's put on your heart to do. And also be able to run businesses. A lot of folks have that kingdom capacity. And yet, in the church world, we typically look at, this is collectively, we typically look at a high-level leader and we give them a a stack of brochures and some breath mints and we say, stand at this door at 8 o'clock and hand out these. Come on. Right. These. (laughs) There's a lot of great kingdom opportunities out there. The trick is to have your, your antennas up listening to the voice of God for the day-to-day interactions. What's God calling me to in this quarter, this season, and this day? You never know what opportunities God's going to send across your plate. So this is just fascinating. I, I'm just fascinated by uh, where God's called you to be and you know your ability to interact with the, the drywall hanger, you know, the stewardship pastor, and, and the other maybe high-capacity business person who's doing this. So one of the things that I think you're going to be spending time on that I think is so, you're so uniquely positioned to do as a guy who's called to continue to run the business and then also be engaged deeply with Youth for Christ, you know, you're looking for other largely business leaders who also share a passion for youth. So what does that picture look like in your mind? You know, somebody's out there and they're sort of thinking, man, you know, maybe, maybe I had trouble as a kid or I have a kid like, like you had that, you know, has needed some help or needs some help. You know, they, God's given them a passion for that 
uh, that ministry. How, how do you think about collaborating with those folks? Well, I, I want to see the relationship grow between those types of families and the ministry. I don't know exactly what God called individuals to. It's part of the exploratory process. I mean, yes, we need to raise funding for ministry endeavors. That's a given. But outside of that, what would the Lord have you do on a national level with the national team, maybe, or even the local level where you're rolling up your sleeves and getting involved? I've never been a, in a part of youth ministry other than being invited in to speak at events with my church, but that's not my background. My background is business people and teaching kingdom generosity stuff. But yet I see a lot of, um, I see a lot of people with passion for youth, and I'm asking the businessmen and women to roll up their sleeves and figure out what God wants them to do to affect the next generation. We have a culture battle, and it's not good enough just sit around and walk Fox and wring our hands and go, oh, this generation, oh, come on. Every generation's had its problem, but it's also had its people that have stepped into the battle and said, I'm going to reach this generation for Christ. I had a guy one time, he's telling me, he's a baby boomer. He's like, yeah, these young people, they just don't have their stuff together. And I'm like, yeah, you guys did as hippies in your generation. Come on, man, give me a break. Yeah, yeah. Every generation struggles. That's why we have to uniquely reach them for Christ. And so if God's put that on your heart and, and what I'm telling you is stirring you a little bit, Reach out to us. I'm the only gunner on staff at Youth for Christ. Yeah, I'm yeah. easy to find. I'll put I'll put <laughs> we'll put your uh, information on the uh, in the show notes so people can find you easily. But uh, I just love that, and and I think part of what you're also drawn to, which is something you know that's near and dear to my heart, is we find all these generous business owners. One of the things God called us to do is kind of help build community, you know. And I think the world, and heck, even our business and wealth management, you know, like we were talking earlier the way they taught us was to isolate those people. You never bring your clients together, that kind of stuff. Well, of course the numbers are private, but one of the biggest questions we get from sort of our family office clients are, what are other families like ours doing? Okay. And I know you also have a passion for maybe bringing these people together. Now, obviously that'll be around this common, but I mean, it's a big issue of reaching youth for Christ. So how do you see that coming together? Uh, As a, member of C12, great organization. I, I find camaraderie with other business owners and leaders, and I love uh, hanging out, talking life. I'm a cigar guy. Yeah. It gives me 45 minutes to an hour to sit around, <laughs> yeah. talk to people, let the walls come down, have some real life. That moments. may or may not happen between us later today. Uh, this is, I gar- I'm guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm passionate to figure out what opportunities has God given you and what are you doing in the kingdom? I don't want any of my friends to sit around with me in eternity at the beam of seat of Christ and say, Gunnar, I had no idea. No, no, you're going to know, and I'm going to push and encourage you to do whatever God calls you to do. If that's to give to organizations of your passion, point, awesome. I'm not, I'm into kingdom resource investment. That's what I, that's what I love. And, um, talent, time, money, whatever. But I love to, I love to process this out life on life with friends who are wrestling. Cause it's a, it's a lonely place to be when you're leading an organization, especially as they get bigger, you don't have the friends to unpack this stuff. Well, I understand from multiple angles. I've been in the church world where one of the most lonely places to be is a, is a high level leader in a church. You're, you're held to a ridiculously high standard that no one ever, your fishbowl is never quite right sized for anyone. Someone's pissed off about your lifestyle, no matter what it is. And, and yet, 
in the business world, we don't have, typically we're looking for friends that can process life, that don't have an agenda. You know, and, and I think God's called kingdom entrepreneurs to come together and do some amazing things in this generation. Look at the technology options we have. Look, look at the scripture. I mean, you can learn the Bible just on your commute in 77 hours. It's how long it takes to get through scripture. We have resources, generations of Christians before us have never even dreamed of it. Can you imagine sitting Solomon down and just showing them our modern life? Or the apostle Paul and showing, hey, Paul, how would you reach the world for Christ with your evangelism passion and with our technology? Right. We have no excuse. No, we really don't. And I think really, I just want to give oxygen where you sit in the kingdom, where, you know, this, you, you have business experience and you continue to have that. It just gives you credibility with that market. And then God's calling you to really rally other people who care uh, about the youth and uh, uh, their relationship with Christ. I mean, it's just such a perfect relationship. And I really look forward to collaborating with you to reach those kind of people and, and create that, uh, some of that community. And, and uh, I just keep thinking about about Randy Alcorn's uh, line, you know, you can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. I mean, yeah. this is this is what a yeah. a uh, a thriving family looks like is is actually other centered, not building bigger barns for just our own enjoyment. Um, but this is where the juice really happens. And so, so as we as as we're getting kind of the end here, Gunner, this has been so much fun, and I know we could go for hours because I got a thousand other uh, questions and stories we could talk about, but. Uh, for now, as, as we wrap it up, as you know, one of the questions we always try to ask, we're just a couple of business owners talking to other business owners. And I always just picture myself like we're having lunch or just a good conversation. We're literally, literally drinking coffee right now and talking. And it's just that some of our other friends get to listen, you know, and maybe there's somebody listening who's, you know, walking the dog or whatever, driving in their car. And they're thinking, you know, I do have like God is working on me about this generosity thing. I've got this business. I don't, I don't quite know where to begin on how to use this business as a ministry or with generosity. Where do they even start? You know, I would encourage folks to just ask the Lord, how do I do this? What are you asking me to do? He'll still speak to you. Yeah. And I go back to what Jesus said, love, love God and love people. He uh, quoted, I think it's Deuteronomy 6 or 8. I'm mm -hmm. blanking on the location, but life really is that simple. How do I love the person God put in front of me? We're all eternal beings. We're going to stay here for just a short season of time. But what is the Lord uniquely given you the opportunity to do in the spheres of influence that you've been given? For me, sometimes that's getting dirty and, and doing jobs that nobody wants to do in my company because I love the people I work with, whether it be Bigfoot Drywall and Pain or, or Youth for Christ. I'm, I'm always going to find the angle into the heart of the people I'm looking across. That's what I want to do because that's what Jesus did. Didn't matter if it was the, the woman caught in adultery or the lepers or Jesus, even when he looked upon the rich man, he said he had compassion on him and he loved him. And then he challenged him. God's call, we don't have enough love in this society anymore. I mean, just love people and see what God does. Well, I think the, the story you're telling earlier about how you show up with your workers and that's all you're doing is loving on them. And then they ask you, why are you doing it? And mm -hmm. it gives you an opportunity to share your faith. It's like, you know, what, what did Chris say? They'll know you by your love. I mean, we, we got we to stand out better by doing that. I know I've got it. I never want to fall victim to being the man of pride and arrogance and feeling like people are beneath me. I don't ever want to do that. 
That's not the model of Christ. He gave up everything, rule of the entire world. He never, never laid out his resume to any, really. I mean, he just loved people and he humbled himself, ultimately sacrificing himself on the cross for our benefit. I mean, this is God, the God of the universe could have picked a whole lot easier way to die, a torturous death for our sake. And then the grace he gives us every day to get through life is pretty amazing. I don't have a whole lot of ability to hold anything over anyone's head. Once I really came to grips with the grace that God's given in my life. So everyone's story is going to be so unique and so different, but the front lines of ministry is the marketplace now. That's where the rubber meets yeah. the road. It's where we're going to make a difference in the kingdom. Well, thank you so much for that. I mean, if I summarize that, I would say, you know, ask God to show you your unique calling where you're most effective. And then just, you know, even after he gives it to you and maybe before he gives you that full answer, just looking for the small things to do every day with people in your path to love on them. And uh, you'd be amazed at the doors that open. So, Gunnar, thanks so much for being with us on the uh, Generous Business Owner Podcast this week. It's an honor. Thank you for all the hard work you have put into bringing amazing people, letting them share their story. You've got a great podcast list now. I've been vegging on, I think I'll listen to 20 plus podcasts in the last three, four weeks. Well, thank you so much. It's a, it's just been a joy for us to do it and uh, give people a platform to share their story and inspire others. It's, it certainly inspires me. So it's the thing I look forward to the most every week. So thank you for joining us, everybody, on this week's Generous Business Owner Podcast. Feel free to uh, share it with your friends and leave reviews. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.